Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Garmology. I'm joined today by my friend Dachi, and uh, we have a fresh topic to be discussed. Dachi is very much into the art of the prance, or prancing, dressing up. What do you reckon, Dachi? <laughs> uh, that's, that, that is quite the intro, Nick. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Uh, I am uh, into the dark arts of prancing. That that is true. Um, <laughs> I think we've been talking about it quite a bit um, over the years, haven't we? It's it's really, I mean, it's just an aspect of, I guess, uh, personal style in, in, in general. Uh, I, I think that's what I'm trying to get at when I say I'm, I'm prancing. So, for those that sort of don't grasp the full depth of the concept, how would you define prancing? Oh, the imagery I've used, uh, you know, often includes a unicorn and or horses. Um, but um, it's, it's. I mean, basically what it comes down to is that I, I guess I quite, I'm, I'm, I'm unapologetic uh, of enjoying the aesthetics of, uh, you know, style um, and, and rugged style. Um it, it, it comes from a place of, I think, sometimes with rugged and heritage clothing. I mean, which is the bit that you know, I'm is the style of clothing that I'm really into. Uh, sometimes I just feel like it can get a little bit serious and a little bit formulaic. Um, and so, I guess this was sort of me outing myself as being someone who inherently is into the aesthetics of it, and you know, I I don't always feel a need to sort of justify. Uh, why I'm wearing something that I just, you know, like the look of it, and that sometimes can be enough. I take it that it's closely related to the exercise form known as prancercising, available on YouTube. Uh, don't look it up. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't yet, but I definitely will after. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, my little joke, but uh, I suppose it sort of it could could be relatable. But I, I agree with you on the on the denim heritage authentic styles. I mean, you do have to sort of have those boots, denim that style, that sort of shirt. You might sort of spice it up with a bandana, some um, authentically reproduced uh, Native American jewelry. But the sort of things that are go into the look are, as you say, formularic. So you like to sort of bring in outside influences? Yeah, I guess I do. I mean, some a lot of it is the fact that I am into vintage clothing as well. And um, I guess with vintage, you know, there, you know, you don't have those um, obvious um, categories or items that you can uh, sort of... Uh, go by as being sort of good or bad you know it's sort of um it's it's a little bit more nuanced than that so you know it's um typically you know this is obviously a caricature but typically if people want to buy boots they'll search you know best boots and then they'll get you know top five boots to buy um but you know with vintage if you want to go and buy some boots you know chances are you're going to find a bunch of stuff that you uh haven't even thought about and then it's about well within that what do you select and some of it comes down to, you know, your ability or your interest in, in the quality of the, the item. Uh, but a lot of it is also just like something can just look interesting or cool or you sort of connect with it for some reason. Maybe you used to have something similar when you were younger, or, you know, 
It could be any of those things. And then um, you just go with your gut um, and there's no sort of more justification needed. And I think that, that that's part of the way that I probably have bought my stuff it, because it is vintage. You know, I've probably bought a lot of questionable items of clothing in, in other people's opinion, but, you know, I have my reasons for it and I, and I enjoy wearing them. Um, and so when I put it together and I, you know, put it on Instagram or something, you know, uh, it doesn't maybe always immediately register as sort of that thing that everyone recognizes, but, you know, it's something that I, that I enjoy. And so I started calling pantsing. I suppose it's a, it's the opposite of the sort of shop the look idea because you're looking at sing, single items and thinking, do I like this item or not? And then at a later point, trying to put it together with something to make something that looks vaguely coherent. Yeah. So actually, you touched on this with Brian, didn't you, about the sort of uh, the Japanese approach, which I found really. I mean, I've heard about it before, and I knew that there were some of those in. Um, the Amatora, it was sort of mentioned as well, but the idea that, you know, you would have these uh, laid out sort of, again, formulas almost of what to wear with what uh, and what is of good taste or good style. Uh, and yeah, it is a little bit of an antidote to that, definitely. Because to recap, what Brian was talking about was in the, the Japanese, uh, they have or used to have sort of style guides. So with this jacket, you can wear this shirt, this shirt, this shirt, these jeans or these trousers and these boots and shoes, and they'd sort of rate how the resulting look. So you might go out one day with a straight A uh, fit, or you might go out some day and be totally trash, according to the style guide. Exactly. And I mean, do, I, I, I was reflecting on that, and I was thinking – you think that's just sort of related to traditional tailoring, you know, where it would have been like, you know, you would never wear brown shoes with a uh, gray uh, blazer, you know, that sort of thing. And then you have these rules. And then uh, well, I guess when people were trying to get into more casual wear, they were still thinking, but my God, what are the rules though? Um, that would sort of seem to be like a, an obvious way that it, it maybe came about. But it, I, I, I don't know that that's, particularly interesting to me or you know relevant for the way that most people hopefully wear their clothes at this point yeah i find it a little odd because i mean if i was going scuba diving or parachuting or something i'd love to have a, a guide that told me the order and what i needed to wear because that would be pretty important but when it comes to sort of yeah brown shoes with a gray blazer if that was something i was thinking of wearing do I really need to be told that? And is that important at any level? Yeah, I, it's, I mean, I guess there was a, it comes from a point that, you know, in polite society and, you know, when you want to be seen as, you know, a knowledgeable, you know, good person or whatever, and then you have those, uh, yeah, you have those rules and then, you know, you can be an insider or an outsider just through knowing those rules. But I mean, that's, it's a little bit, uh, you know, of an outdated concept, obviously. Um, I mean, some of the stuff like, you know, I think um, your conversation with Sean touched that, uh, on that, that as well about, you know, some, some things are just sensible advice. You know, again, like when you're going scuba diving, there's probably a reason why something has to be tucked into something else. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the, the scope for that within real sort of, you know, day-to-day wear, I mean, that's what I mean by it maybe gets a little bit too serious, you know. There's a bit of it where it should just be you enjoy 
the look of something, and, and that's just good enough. Yeah. When I mentioned rules now, I, I suddenly sort of think that I have, in fact, made up some rules of my own over time. So, like when wearing shorts, I reckon they should be over the knee but lower than mid-thigh. Or when wearing army uh, surplus, army clothes, just keep it to one one piece. Don't go full uh, army surplus because it just makes you look like um, someone rather dangerous and unhinged. But uh, I, I really don't know many rules, so it's all just sort of putting together things by how it feels. Yes, and I think, I mean, okay, so I think the tricky thing with rugged or heritage or, you know, um, this area of clothing, the thing that's kind of tricky with this is, I guess, there's a bit of it which is to do with sort of revival style. And in some sense, if you're really committed to a particular look, of a sort of particular time, in some ways you do want to follow those rules. Um, and on the other hand, though, you know, there's a bit of it which always makes me think, you know, kind of when you see movies, you know, and it's um, it's a 70s setting or a 60s setting, and then everything is literally, every single thing is the most iconic 70s or 60s item in, in someone's house, of, you know, in terms of furniture. And you, you always think, Realistically, most people had a mix of stuff. You know, they would have had stuff that was handed down from their grandmother or, you know, and it would have just been a bit of a, you know, a, a mix anyway. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I appreciate if people want to, you know, do a bit of that sort of revival and try to be as accurate as possible. I, that's completely um, sort of a valid way of doing things. But um, it, it's, yeah, I guess it's it's not what I'm, what I'm trying to do, at least. Um, and the other bit of it, which with rugged wear, then, and the second reason that it might be difficult to sort of follow uh, or not to have rules, again, it's this idea that, you know, you need to know what the best version of everything is and what the right oh, yes. um, in, investment is. And again, like, there's good reasons why you want to do that because we, you know, all of us want good value for money and all of us want to support, you know, the right type of business and all that sort of stuff as well. But again, we're back to the idea that, you know, there's only one solution uh, for every question. You know, you know, there's the boot and there's the shirt, you know. Um, so I, I think these are the places that these things probably come from. Um, but, yeah. It's hard work keeping uh, keeping up with that, though. I mean, you're going to have to hang on a load of different forums. And even on the forums, you have to know who is the guy who actually knows this, who is the, the Yoda of Japanese denim. Yes, yes. And you know what? It's um, I don't know what it is. I think I think it's not it's it's not specific uh, to just you know clothing or vintage or rugged or heritage or any of that stuff. Like there is always the Yoda, <laughs> and typically he is on a forum. Um, and you know I have like other interests, whether it's sort of like uh, vintage watches and um, like I've gotten into photography as well. And it's it's so funny like those uh, sort of dynamics and those like hierarchies within those worlds really exist and no matter where you look there will be a yoda and you need to find them because he has all the wisdom and truths for you but then you have to judge is he the the yoda because he actually is full of wisdom or is he because he's just the sort of mo most uh, loud mouth uh, garrulous guy on the forum and everyone else just fawns to his wisdom <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I there's a lot of tricky questions here. Ninety percent of the people fall in the second category, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that, that's exactly it. Well, you know, you're my Yoda, Nick, so don't worry about that. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> there's there's only one style guru that I follow. Oh, you're too kind, and I suspect not totally honest there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's get back to the the prancing. The, I mean, you like your denim, you like your your sort of gardening attire, your uh, allotment uh, chic. Uh, you also like some bling and bits and pieces, mm. right? That that that's all true. Um, it's. Yeah, so I guess what I try to do, um, a lot of it is, I I mean, and I'm probably failing at this, of course I am, but, you know, I try to mix it up uh, a bit in terms of what I uh, put together. So I I don't mind that, you know, if I wear something military with some sportswear uh, and some of it might then be vintage and other bits might be contemporary, uh, you know, I'm I'm not particularly going for uh, you know any particular revival style, um, but at the same time, you know I think people obviously recognize some some pieces, whether you know it's again like the certain um, literary jackets or you know vests or you know some of the Ivy League stuff. You know that obviously you know it's not like I've come up uh, or I'm unique in any way in, in, in wearing this stuff. But you know I guess what I the bit of it that I try to get at and enjoy is the sort of putting together the combinations. Uh, that I enjoy regardless of, you know, whether or not they were ever meant to go together uh, by some, someone's definition. Do you sort of find that you've put together an outfit or look that you're so pleased with that you want to wear it the rest of the week? Or do you sort of have to feel compelled to come up with something different every day? <laughs> um, so there, okay. So the, the thing is most days I do have to, well, under normal circumstances, I do have to go to work and I do have to wear somewhat um, basic work attire, which mainly is my chinos and or, and or blazer. Um, so that's sort of that. But that means that on you know that Saturday and Sunday, um, I'm quite excited about just wearing something that I've been sort of missed uh, sort of wearing in a way. So uh, Typically, I'd, I'd mostly be drawn to something that I've, you know, something that I'm just reminded of, like, oh, I haven't worn that in a while. And then I'll sort of put that on and then I'll try to, you know, wear stuff around it uh, that goes with it. Uh, and so, yeah, I quite enjoy that process. Um, I guess in terms of the style, style of stuff that I've put on Instagram, I've tried to avoid too much replication. And so, you know, it's not necessarily a, a perfect diary of what I wear every day or at all times. I guess it's more you know, uh, combinations that I find a little bit interesting or unusual, then that will be the time that I'll take a picture of it. Um, so, yeah, does that sort of get at your question? Um, I feel like maybe I've spoken. No, it does. It does. Uh, I find it interesting. I'm wondering how many people would relate to the fact that sort of as the week week draws to a close and the weekend comes, you know, all these people getting ready to go go for parties and let their hair down and all this. And then you have the guys who are sort of looking forward to getting dressed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a subculture indeed. Yes. Well, that's, and then that's another interesting thing, isn't it? It's um, so rare for, well, still, and I don't know, maybe, maybe that's partly this, um, maybe partly depends on your age as well and things like that and your sort of style, but it's relatively rare to have, um, a lot of guys into aesthetics 
you know, and just being sort of into what their clothes look like, like that's still quite a relatively rare thing. Um, it might be more common maybe for people that are sort of younger in their sort of teens and 20s. But I feel like um, certainly in my age, it's still something where, where if I go to the office and I'm just wearing uh, something that is just a little bit different to your middle of the sort of lane uh, high street outfit that you'd see in your top shop, then I'm immediately outed. <laughs> you know, someone has to comment on it. Um, which I find just quite quite interesting still. That is such an unusual thing for a man to be into clothing still. Well, I, no- I noticed that a lot. Uh, I mean, men aren't sort of supposed to have an interest in that. And it comes to mind every time someone catches on to the fact that I have a blog and so forth, and they'll immediately be interested and um, sort of, what's it about? And I'm sort of, and I just dread the question because it's, why it's sort of about menswear and stuff, you know, and you can just see them sort of, hmm, what's this? And sort of, they don't really ask much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> it quickly gets awkward. <laughs> uh, yeah, because because uh, really, yeah, I mean, that's sort of a bit out of character. I'm not supposed to have an interest in that. It's, uh, but I find it as awkward as they do. So it's, um, it, it might just be. Uh, just me putting it out there is really awkward, and uh, perhaps if they were more interested, it would be okay. But, um, but realistically, yeah. I mean, when I go into an off, when I go into the office on a Friday, and if I were, God forbid, I wear anything camo, you know, the the, the banter, you know, starts immediately. And I mean, that's the other thing I've always posted on the the pantsing uh, updates is I've sort of gotten into this uh, process of wearing something that I you know, just that I would typically wear on the weekend anyway. And it's, if it's a sort of Friday, casual Friday, I'll, I'll just wear it on a Friday and just get reactions from people in the office and I'll sort of report back. And typically with something like a camouflage jacket, you know, I mean, the amount of jokes that I get about, Ooh, didn't see you there. Or wait, <laughs> how are you? Why are you just a floating head? I don't understand what's going on. Or, you know, it's, yeah. That was kind of an obligatory joke for a long time, but it is getting a bit old now. It's, I think we're way past old, but the funny thing is that most of those people think they're very immensely original, you know, or you wear like a Breton top and all it really is is a stripy top. And the amount of times that there'll someone will have to say, oh, I didn't know you're French or oh, is that the garlic I can smell? Or, you know, it's all of that stuff. Mm. That it's, it's just funny that, you know, all you're really doing it's just wearing an item of clothing, but immediately it invites a bunch of uh, interest just because it's ever so slightly unusual. I feel such a huge sense of loss when uh, when I miss out on all this, uh, this fun stuff but just by working from home. I mean, I know personally that Friday, no, Saturday, Sunday, all the days I have to go into the office, I do make an extra effort to, to dress up a bit just for the chance to to wear something else because at home it's just a pair of jeans and a t-shirt yeah it's but do you when you so i, I sometimes feel like that with um formal wear as well that you know if you go to a wedding or whatever it's kind of fun to actually be able to you know find a nice new tie or you know pocket square or something like that so i can get excited about that i think it's sort of it depends again about what you're wearing during the week and what you then, you know, what's the special occasion for you. Cause the special occasion for me is most of the time is not being in a suit, but um, it's mostly on the weekends. 
And then when I can wear like something that's actually a nice suit going somewhere, then I get excited about that as well. And I think that all of that stuff is sort of, to me at least, important and fun things to enjoy because, uh, you know, whatever you're getting enjoyment out of, you know, why, why forego that? Uh, yeah. Of course, uh, working in engineering in Norway, there are really no rules when it comes to clothing. As long as you're wearing trousers of some sort and a, and a top, uh, no one really worries too much. So, I mean, I can basically wear whatever I like to work, which is okay. I have to say. Really? So you could you could go with a camouflage, whatever, and then not get comments, do you think, in your office or oh, yeah. your workplace? Really? Yeah. Maybe there's a difference between Norwegians and the people in the UK then. I don't know. Well, we don't have that sort of formal thing. I mean, I notice at work that uh, the, the guys who wear suits are the sort of top management guys. Now, whether that's because it's a sort of power move or because it's they're totally lacking in imagination or... I don't know what it is, but uh, anyone below management is sort of free to wear whatever. That's interesting. I mean, that's one thing is that, you know, that's also quite changing, isn't it? The idea that, you know, like the power dress culture of the 90s or whatever and all that. I mean, that's it, that that's changed quite a bit. Like the ultimate sort of power move now was, you know, to turn up to work in, you know, black denim and a T-shirt because, you know, you're because that, that's how senior you are, that no one can tell you off. <laughs> and then oh. it sort of like got into the thing about well you're wearing a suit but it's a really poorly fitted suit and that's better than having maybe less formal chinos on and you know it gets it gets kind of strange sort of comparisons at workplaces do you reckon there's a japanese publication that has a scorecard for this i'm sure <laughs> i'm mm. sure it could all be settled by the Japanese. We should really email them and <laughs> have some uh, workshops with them for a few weeks. Yeah. It's interesting, though, about getting dressed up to go out. I mean, are you getting dressed up for your own personal pleasure or to create social media content or to impress people you meet on your way? There's a, there's a whole big area which needs to be explored. Yeah, so I don't know. Is if you if you're talking specifically about me, uh, I mean, I I I actually really don't like when people notice what I'm wearing. <laughs> Most of the time, that just makes me uncomfortable. And so, it, uh, at the same time, though, that doesn't hold me back from wearing it. So I'm sort of uh, creating my own sort of uh, discomfort in that way. But generally speaking, no, it's it's purely to do with the fact that you know I found some interesting vintage item somewhere or, you know, I've ordered uh, some something uh, from a brand that I like and, you know, I'm looking forward to wearing it. And that that's really what mostly, um, yeah, it, it's, it's down to. Um, unless I have to consider some practical uh, aspect of, you know, what I'm going to be doing on the day. But, you know, that's relatively rare. Uh, rare. It's, it's, I'm, I'm not much of a, you know, manual worker. Uh, and even if I am, I'll just wear some rugged stuff and it'll be fine. Yeah, well, there is that. I mean, the thing is, though, that, and we have, I know I've talked to, with a few people about this before. I mean, we, we sort of go outside and we think everyone's looking at you and they're judging you and rating you and so forth. But the reality of it is that really we're all so immersed in our own little bubble, our little world, that we spend more time worrying about what other people think of us than other people actually do. 
think about us. So, I mean, I'm not going around looking at every man I see and thinking, ah, yeah, that's a that's a C outfit. Oh no, look at that. Ooh. I mean, in special cases, you might be wearing a pair of shoes that are just so awful that. I almost have to go over and comment on them, but <laughs> it's, it's not generally what you do because you're so concerned about yourself, aren't you? Um, so, I mean, I dress up, and I use the word advisedly, dress up, because that's a lot of the time what you're doing. I mean, you don't wear a World War II great coat over some Harry's tweed, over some nice boots and a nice shirt and whatever, and a hat and this bag and so forth, without some idea that you are, in fact, dressing up. I mean, you didn't just get dressed because you needed to stay warm and you needed something to carry something in and you needed some pockets. And, yeah, so dressing up. Not sure where I was going with that, but uh, over to you. <laughs> but I guess, so, so when, because when you're getting at, like, when you're dressing up, I guess what you're saying is that you do, you know, a lot of it is about just some stuff that you enjoy and that you want to wear because you have that feeling about, well, you just... Uh, you know, either aesthetically or, you know, just on an emotional level on that day, you just feel like that's what you want to wear. Um, yeah. And it's, I guess then it's like, what about when you're getting into, because when you're buying stuff, do you think about that ahead of time? Or are you sort of more like when you're actually buying it, you're just buying it because of that initial feeling? Or do you then go through the thought process of, oh, I will wear it with these things or it will go well with that or can I wear it to work versus is it something just for the weekend? Like, do those things register for you when you're sort of, I guess, pulling together your your prancing gear ahead of time? I I, I don't think it really does. I think I'm very much a sort of uh, singles hunter. That I'll see a pair of jeans or a shirt or a pair of boots with me, and that, with quite little uh, idea of what it might work together with. I'll just be so enamoured by that single item that I don't really um, see it as a whole thing, which is probably a bad idea, really, because it does mean you get stuck with items that you don't often wear because it's sort of hard to fit them in with anything else. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I mean, because I, I think I, I... Not that you can call it suffer, but I have the same issue, Nick. Um, <laughs> because I think that's the thing. Sometimes, you know, I get really excited about something because, again, aesthetically or... Uh, for whatever reason, um, and I, I buy that, and I don't always. I've gotten better at it, but don't always think through um, how often or how I, you know I'll be able to use it. Um, so, it, but then again, that's why sometimes I, you know, on that Saturday or whatever that I can wear whatever I want, then I pick that bit out, and I'm like, all right, let's let, let's solve this. <laughs> let's solve this item of clothing. Let's figure out what it can go with, and that can sometimes be. Yeah, I mean, that's sometimes kind of a fun challenge. Um, not that I spent hours on it or anything like that, but, you know, it would just be something where you can sort of think through. And, you know, it's a little bit like a Tetris puzzle that you sort of try to make work. That's a, that's a good piece of puzzle solving, definitely. Um, I did a, a few years ago, it must be about a year or two ago, I came up with this idea that I had a, a random outfit generator. Now, this was a complete invention on my part i don't have a random outfit generator but um and it's not certainly not controlled by artificial intelligence or anything uh, a lot of people did actually think that i did have it though but i put together sort of quite daring outfits that wouldn't normally fit together say some some tweed and some army and some denim and some boots and whatever that were a little on the side of what you'd normally see according to the the rule book 
And and that was a lot of fun because it sort of liberated me a bit because I could just say, oh, if this didn't work okay, well, put it down to the random outfit generator. <laughs> but don't you think that we all need a little bit more of that sort of random outfit generator? It's, you know. I think I think we do. Yeah, and it does help then having these sort of odd single items that don't really fit in with anything else because you can take put together something that is pretty standard and then just add that shirt or that jacket or those socks, probably not those trousers because those uh, bell-bottom uh, plaid uh, tartan wool things just don't work with anything at all. But, yeah... Because I think the thing about what all of this is, it, what it really comes down to is the idea that, you know, you should, I mean, it shouldn't be that serious, right? Like, you should just be able to put stuff together. And I mean, there's an element of it where it's not about drawing attention to yourself, or it could be, and that should be fine as well. But, you know, compared to any other uh, area of style, uh, even style within sort of menswear, I feel like heritage and, and, and this sort of clothing is so... Um, restrained or sort of concerned about uh, fitting in and actually uh, I, I just think that defeats the purpose because at the end of the day it's, it's, it's not that serious you know it's clothing it, it should be part of fun um, and it should just sometimes experiment and so, yeah sometimes you won't look like you wanted to but you know there's, <laughs> you know, there's worse things in life than that um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you know you should always have the loudest version of an outfit on either but um, certainly in terms of then try to figure out what you like um the starting point can be uh what people think seems to work but you should definitely feel empowered to just try different stuff and i think like sometimes that's not a message that uh people hear enough um at least in our little you know small of the universe with instagram and stuff where again it's typically same styles the same brands the same you know solutions for outfits and yeah i guess that, that that's what what i'm thinking about it now i think that's what prancing and all that stuff really comes down to for me is um just in, experiment and sometimes it'll go wrong but you can enjoy it uh you know and that's half the fun of clothing really i think it might actually be sort of the true authenticity because something that hit me last week when talking to Brian and again when I was looking around some vintage shops in Oslo at the weekend is that within heritage authentic uh, vintage style and also within vintage shops you don't realize it at first but there is actually fashion cycles there as well Um, a few years ago the sort of authentic style was all sort of American railroader from the early 1900s or whatever and that has changed now because fashions have changed within the authentic heritage wear, quite contrary to what we'd like to think, because we sort of think it's oh, it's all out of fashion, it's all uh, it's all all good stuff that will last forever and so forth. But then you look at the sort of stuff people were wearing three years ago and you realise there's been a complete massive shift in things through to today. And looking in the vintage shops, I mean, what they had was basically all 80s 90s stuff it was all the the tartan shirts and the awful um, nylon track suits from the 90s was it or was that 80s with the vile patterns but there was a very clear consensus about what sort of vintage are we stocking this year it wasn't 
oh, we've got stuff that's 70 years old and, yeah, have a dig around and see if you see anything you like. It was very clearly this stuff, this stuff, and this stuff. It, it, definitely. And I think that's one thing that, you know, the, the vintage world has sort of changed or sort of morphed into this, uh, well, effectively like another high street um, type brand. Um, because, you know, there was more and more money in it. And so, um, you know, bigger companies have come into it. I mean, certainly in the UK, you have uh, bigger chains. And when you're a bigger company, what you really want to do is you want to standardize stuff, right? That makes it a lot easier to solve and sell your product. Um, and so there's definitely been uh, waves of that, whether that's, you know, through things like, you know, uh, Kanye West's sort of um, Yeezy line and stuff like that, where there's been like obvious um, references to military gear, or even where he's actually just taken military gear and just printed something on it, or, you know, all that sort of stuff. And you definitely saw that then being the trend in the vintage, those big chain vintage stores. And so I think, yeah. you know, as someone that likes vintage, I do go to those chain stores because typically you do find stuff amongst the sort of generic uh, stuff that's actually rare. But, you know, again, it's different from the hand-picked, hand-selected vintage stores that you get where, you know, the owner has either a certain style that they're, they're following or a certain period of uh, sort of vintage that they're collecting or selling, you know. So definitely, I think that that's definitely taken for granted that um, – just because you're saying vintage, it doesn't mean that it's sort of, you know, the antidote to trends. Uh, I don't think that's true at all. But we do like to think that it might be. And I see that part of the whole sustainable thing now where don't buy new fast fashion, buy something vintage, secondhand, whatever. And I mean, for ladies' fashions, that's quite, I'm about to say tricky, but easy because I was just talking to my wife yesterday about the, the fashion for ladies jeans, where it seems like it's cycling so rapidly now that if you bought a pair of jeans this week, probably by the time you got them home, they'd be out of fashion. But within a fortnight, they'd be in fashion again. But in the meantime, bell bottoms and straight cut, boot cut and skinny tapered had also been in fashion. And it's just crazy how fast it's going. So buying something vintage there will probably mean that within the next two to four weeks, it's in fashion and out of fashion again. Yeah, that's, it, it's, that's, that's definitely true, isn't it? There's something about those sort of um, the waves. And I mean, it's, 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 it's like a lot of other things. You know, we can, we can think that something is sort of, uh, there's merit to something, right? But then typically when it then becomes commodified, <laughs> uh, people can figure out, uh, clever ways of uh, selling you something that on the surface seems like the thing you're after, but actually it's it's just another marketing ploy. And so that's one of the things about, you know, sustainability within probably those big chain vintage clothing. I mean, to some extent, yes, there's maybe more sustainability, sustainability to be found. But ultimately, if the people who are buying those items of clothing, you know, for sometimes as low as like a fiver for a T-shirt or whatever, if they just see it as a one-time you know, item anyway, then is it that much more sustainable, uh, you know, whether it's vintage or, you know, uh, in a regular high street store? It's not obvious, is it? No, not at all. Interesting you should mention marketing, because I think that is a big um, a big factor in all this. And um, again, uh, I was talking to my wife last week, 
I do talk to her most days, in fact, every day. <laughs> That's good to um, but uh, this this business about feeling bad because you buy something is really not being fair on yourself because it's not just your decision whether you buy something or not because the person selling you this has probably got a huge marketing apparatus behind them with years and years and years of hard science on how to convince people to buy stuff. So thinking that it's just sort of your decision whether to buy it or not. So, uh, yeah. I think that's the thing, again, where I think we like to think in the sort of vintage or heritage world that we're, again, uh, sort of immune to such things as marketing, you know, that doesn't work on us. But, I, you know, I think that's exactly not true because, you know, there's plenty of those places um, and even brands, you know, that specialize in, you know, targeting their message. And that is effectively marketing, you know, making specific calculated decisions about what to produce and how and how to brand it to then put it in that space for someone to buy, knowing that that's exactly what they were looking for. And so, you know, that's, that's all part of it really. Um, and I, yeah, I definitely don't think that we're immune to that as much as we like to think it. And I think there's something else about it as well, about maybe there's something different about men's versus uh, women's wear, where I think because the styles change so much in women's wear, again, when I speak to my wife on those rare occasions, Nick, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, there's that sense that, you know, um, Yes, there is stuff that's in style, and depending on who you sort of follow, you know, there's trends and fashions. But equally, there's that sort of real sense of you can just wear partly what you enjoy wearing. I think it is much less formulaic. I mean, I think it's a much broader spectrum of styles uh, in general. And I feel sometimes like that's something that's lost in, in menswear because, again, I think certainly going back to the heritage stuff, you know, we we – we forget that, yeah, you should be able to do whatever, really. And again, it's each to their own. You know, if you're a hardcore revivalist and all that, I, I completely understand. But um, to have that sort of freedom to to just try stuff, I think that's something that generally is is less uh, present in menswear than, than in women's wear, which I think is a real shame. Definitely. Um, I was just sitting here now thinking about uh, sort of styles that go with music and thinking back to sort of the punks, because they were sort of total rebels in their style, or at least they like to think they were. But it comes home to me every time I see a, a sort of person dressed up as a late 70s, early 80s punk these days, and you see the punk formula as clear as it is with the mohawk, all the safety pins, mm. the band names, many of them which haven't released records in 30 years, but it's all... I mean, totally replicated, so it's the sort of punk heritage style these days. Uh, not dangerous at all, really, basically, because the bloke wearing it is about 55 or 17, but a total formula. Definitely. That's so funny, isn't it? I've, I've had, uh, well, uh, punk was a little bit too early for me, but I have had the exact same issues with skaters um, where I see, uh, you know, sort of, vintage skater style is what sometimes it's referred to and obviously that's the stuff i was wearing in the 90s um so you know it's just down sort of the street from me it's like there's these skate parks and you have these kids who are wearing the more modern stuff more sort of tapered trousers and that sort of stuff but then there's kids who are wearing 
I mean, one-for-one replicas of the outfits that I was wearing in the 90s, you know, really wide-legged, long tees and all that sort of stuff. So it's just really funny. Um, again, the reference points are obviously the same, and it's just a, another version of Revival. So it's all, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all very similar, actually. So again, the, the cycles of fashion that we consider ourselves totally immune to just keep hammering back. Um, I also one of my favourite pet peeves is is the gear, beer, beer goggles of, um, of buying clothes, where something that doesn't look nice at all when it's at full retail sort of gets increasingly interesting as the price drops. So at about seventy or eighty percent discount, you just have to have it. Uh, and it's normally the worst buys you ever do because something that has resisted being sold for that long is basically because <laughs> no one else wanted it. Yes. And actually, you know, that is one thing to be said for about the sort of heritage clothing uh, and, and this stuff is, you know, we mostly yeah, do uh, go to classics that we know are sort of, uh, you know, Stuff that you'll get wear and use out of, so there there is a sort of sensible place for it as well. So you know that um, that blue shirt uh, that you will wear that many times over many years, but that may be sort of really unusual niche, um, multicolored neon panther, you know, skin lookalike thing is is really cool for a couple wears. <laughs> And then you'll look at it and you go, oh, that definitely wasn't, even at 90% off, that definitely wasn't a good buy. I sense that you're telling a true story here. So how has that shirt worked <laughs> out for you? <laughs> it's, it's, it's still in the closet. Tags are on. But once in a while, I pick it out and I, and I stare at myself going, one day, <laughs> one day. You, you did have your chance after Joe Exotic aired on Netflix, though. <laughs> annoying because i thought my star star guru was uh you know well hidden from everyone's view but apparently not and so it was you know the cat was out of the bag <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah joe exotic did have a, a great personal style though uh, i was sure the mullet will be making a comeback now there was a number of things that i thought you know what initially you look at it and you go i don't know that anyone should ever wear that but after a while you start thinking Maybe I should. <laughs> maybe, maybe I can make that work. You know, whether it was that. I mean, there's a lot of very good headwear. First of all, um, some questionable piercings, but you know, again, that could be a thing. For me, it was more the very sort of dramatic outfits. That's what I was sort of really into. You know, the sort of very uh, dramatic cowboy looks, but sort of minimalist cowboy with sort of maximalist elements. <laughs> That's. Mm -hmm. That was the stuff that I was really drawn to. And also a certain lack of teeth. <laughs> lack of, yeah, lack of clothing and lack of teeth definitely was a heavy feature as well, yeah. yeah. I did see some great memes, though, uh, comparing um, the Joe Exotic clothes to Capital clothes from Japan. Yes. And yeah. uh, there was some definite overlap there. That's a whole conversation in itself, Nick. I think especially that country line that Capital has, that really has some... Uh, I mean, I love Capital. I love a lot of this stuff. But I mean, that there are some real questionable uh, items within in the, within their range, for sure. Yeah, so their country line is like redneck meth uh, style. 
that's not going to be easy to market. <laughs> you never know. It might just be the next trend. We might have just, you know, we might be ahead of the curve here. Ooh. ooh. Anyhow, back to the prancing. Where, where are you at today on a Sunday in uh, July? So I guess I'm, I'm, I've not been doing the, you know, just stay at home and not uh, sort of just wear whatever loungewear you have around you that smells clean type thing. I've, I, I have enjoyed actually being able to wear whatever I want most days. Um, so today I'm wearing some uh, Workhouse England trousers uh, instead of a uh, herringbone material, which is very nice. And then I'm wearing a vintage, uh, I think it's a Wrangler cowboy shirt. So I, I am channeling Joe, <laughs> uh, the Tiger King, a little bit today. Right, that does sound like quite an eclectic mix. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess it is. I guess, uh, well, yeah, it's definitely uh, not. Yeah, not not down any particular style lane. It's it's a bit of a random mishmash that I happen to think would look all right and be comfortable for today. The question everyone listening will be wondering about now is, have you rated yourself on in according to the Heritage Fit uh, Guide? I mean, are you a straight C plus. B today? C plus. C plus. I'm a consistent C plus. Usually there's elements of Bs in there, but there's a lot of other things that bring it down. So, you know, <laughs> average God. out. What, that doesn't sound very, very confident. I'm wearing a navy uh, North Sea clothing um, brig cardigan, which I'm becoming increasingly fond of, and a pair very of nice. um, Prince of Wales check engineered garment wool pants because it is absolutely pissing down outside today and it's really cold outside and I'm just sort of trying to dress for comfort to cheer myself up a bit. And an, an orange T-shirt. An orange T-shirt. <laughs> Bright orange. Bright orange t-shirt, t-shirt. I think the the navy blue contrasts very nicely with orange. Um, oh, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't actually very conscious. I just picked some stuff out because I was cold. But, uh, it sounds a lot better, probably, than it uh, looks. So use your imagination freely. <laughs> <laughs> I have to it's admit, though, I'm I, I'm not a, a huge uh, huge prancer. Um, I, I I see guys who have selected sort of the bag to match the shoes, to match the belt, the jeans to match the shirt, the jacket, and the neckerchief or the cravat or the pocket square and the hat, uh, the jewellery. I, I don't do jewellery at all. Um, but I, I, I feel I don't really measure up when it comes to all that stuff. I just It's just too many factors, too fussy. But then again, there's a difference between dressing for real life and sort of creating a social media outfit and it's a lot of effort putting together a complete social media outfit with every option covered Uh, and i mean with the social media stuff there's i do find this i mean i think there's a real it's not the things that look good in uh, real life uh, don't always translate into a good picture, and vice versa. You must you must experience that all the time. Or what do you think? Yeah, and I was talking to Brian in Taiwan about that as well. Um, this business of taking photos. Uh, the difference between 
say, Steve McQueen back in the 50s uh, under the bonnet of a race car compared to, or even me, um, posed on the road outside his house wearing a snazzy outfit. There's something about that realness, authenticness, um, just looking like you're actually going about doing something and not just pulling a prancy pose (laughs) because you want to harvest some likes. And, I mean, there's that awkwardness of just standing around being taken a photo of. I find it incredibly uncomfortable to be taken photos of. Hence, I mostly use a remote um, control to take them myself. I mean, just say someone saying, yeah, now try to smile a bit. And you just look so awkward as if you're dying inside, Uh, especially if people are walking by, which makes it 20 times more awkward. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, I have the exact same issue, which is, you know, probably why you'll see most of my posts, or nearly, I think, actually every single of my posts, uh, excludes my face, because most of the time I'm thinking, why am I doing this? This is really awkward. (laughs) Um, I just don't have that uh, natural ability to look remotely natural on a a picture. Um, Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, as much as I like, uh, a lot of the as- you know aspects of Instagram stuff. That's probably the bit that I like the least. It's for me. It's always about the clothing rather than what I look like at uh, wearing them. Um, I think it's yeah. I think it's really tricky for me to to look like I'm being remotely natural, especially because I mean, because there's one way that you could do it, which is that because you're wearing all this work gear, you know, the natural thing if you want to follow the sort of uh, Steve McQueen lane is you would then have you know, your axe laid out in the back and be chopping wood or whatever. But realistically, I'm, I'm sitting, uh, sipping a flat white in the cafe. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very overdressed in terms of the ruggedness that my environment requires. So uh, I, I don't think it would make for a good picture anyway. It's odd you should mention that because I often find that, that if I can channel the awkwardness of it all into thinking about how, bloody ridiculous I must look dirty one I can actually pull off some of my most genuine smiles in that moment of self-awareness where I see the futile ridiculousness of it all and then I'll actually smile because smiling on command cannot do it it just looks like I have belly ache but this is because you know you're a selfless person and for all the people that follow you and need their sort of prancing inspiration by their Yodas like you you know, you're doing it for us, really. Oh, yes, because I'm selfless and uh, I'm like the sort of Gandhi of, of <laughs> hybrid menswear. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Salt market and all of that. God, that puts a new spin on it. I think I'm going to have to take some extra outfit shots today. Yes, just to just to feed the, the masses, yes. Just have to mm. remind us once in a while and then, you know, we'll, we'll remember that, that you're, you, you know, you're inflicting all this pain upon yourself for us. That's ah. Gosh, that's, uh, that's a very insightful. Very good. So what are your favorite accessories? Accessories? Um, I, just, I just took a, a U-turn there and pivoted off into the wilderness. No, of- no, no. Sure. It's it's all part of the prancing gear. Um, so, I mean, the obvious one would be a watch because I'm into watches, uh, preferably uh, vintage watches um, is the main thing I like. Um Usually small silhouettes. I quite like smaller watches. Again, I'm being sort of uh, 
a bit awkward about that, but like, um, um, yeah, any anything uh, that's big, large, and chunky and and masculine is doesn't look right on me anyway. But I also I'm not necessarily drawn to. Uh, I do wear some necklaces, um, so bead necklaces and uh, ones with charms on it. I uh, when I travel with my wife, typically we pick up little charms as memories from different cities. So that's what um, that's all about in terms of the, the silver charm necklace that I have on my Instagram. And then I have a few um, bracelets as well, uh, as well as some rings. Um, uh, so that that probably uh, is, is a fair bit more than you uh, you you would wear, Nick. But that that's the stuff that I'm into, I guess. I have to admit that I think pins or badges are about as far as I go because I just find them amusing. Say wearing a badge from a uh, bowls team in Northern England uh, just <laughs> makes me very happy because it's so ridiculous. Um, I tend not to wear watches really because I don't have many. Um, and I don't wear cravats because I think that's a bit stuffy, but I will wear a silk escape map as a neckerchief. I think that's quite amusing. Um, but I see a lot of guys getting into sort of Native American-inspired jewellery, and I'm sort of thinking, now where did that come from? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, the, uh, the for me, there's a few references. There is John Mayer, who is the ultimate legend of style in menswear. Uh, no ands, ifs, or maybes about that. He he wears quite a bit of that. So part of me thinks it's partly influenced by him. Uh, I guess there's also Goros, which is via Japan. That was quite a big brand, and I think there was quite a lot of him, uh, influence from but also there's that reference to the 70s and i think there was a lot of sort of that american you know anti war pacifist movement that i think combined sort of military stuff and sort of native american jewelry and all of that and so all of that sort of ed harvey era indian or native american jewelry uh has sort of had a revival in recent years hasn't it with the turquoises and all that um and I think it's just generally been around in, yeah, with vintage wear in particular. I think it's it's been quite a, yeah, sort of somewhere in the background, always been there, really. Yeah, yeah. It was just a random, random question, really. It's just something that makes me wonder now and again because it seems so weird for, say, a guy in Cheltenham to be really desperately into it. But uh, so, what do you think about it? Because I, I think, well, this, oh, sorry, go on. Uh, what do I think about it? Uh, yeah. Nothing really. It uh, it just says nothing to me. Um, I mean, I appreciate that it is Native American jewelry, and this is just a random. It could have been anything really, but uh, it's just a sort of weird thing to become popular. Uh, but then I see that a lot of the time, and I think a lot of it is down to Instagram, where someone picks up on something and starts showing it for some reason or other. And it sort of spreads. I mean, it could be down to influencers. It could be down to someone making something and they give it to a certain number of people and they show it off and they sort of hope that it will get traction. Yeah. But uh, there are a lot of weird things like that. And I suppose it comes down to the fashion aspect again, maybe. I mean, I do think there's a bit of it which is about within our sort of bit where, uh, again, it's what's safe, right? So 
uh, I think there is a, you know, the the update has been sent out to everyone that it is uh, safe to wear you know, Native American jewelry. It's it's on the sort of preferred list of things that you can wear. Uh, and so I think there is a bit of sort of imitation in that way that a lot of people can uh, wear it. Um, and I think it's partly because there is within menswear again, there's like a fair bit of absence of you know accessories and uh, you know if you look for like women's jewelry obviously you're not struggling to find anything but if you look at trying to find men's jewelry you know it's surprising how difficult it can be to actually find uh to find stuff that's purely from for men um if there is such a thing as men's and women's i mean obviously there should be a big overlap as well so i do wonder whether it's people wanting to find you know something to wear like jewelry and then um but they then go and search for it. It's okay. Well, here are the things that you can, and one of them <laughs> that's dominating is things like the Native American stuff. And then there's one or two other brands that always come comes up, which is the I forget. There's a silver one. Is is it Goldheart or something like that? You might know about it. Chrome Heart. Yeah, Chrome Heart. That's the other one. That's it. And then there is a is a Good Art is the other one that always comes up as well. So those two seems to Not be. Sure. Oh, and uh, something about something frog. I'm sure someone will be shouting into the my, their headphones now, thinking, "Why can't he remember these?" But the, those are sort of uh, the something frog, uh, which is also the sort of third brand that always comes up. So it's only really a handful that I've seen. Yeah, I think actually I've been more more willing to accept a sort of steampunk aesthetic rather than um, culturally appropriating uh, a native tribe or something. Um, steampunk, I think, has a lot going for it. I'm not sure how I'd engineer. implement it. It could be, yeah. But I just think it's fascinating to see the stuff they do with that. I've no idea how it could be implemented into the rest of the stuff that interests me, but um, certainly a lot of creativity there. It, there is, and there's actually quite a bit of an in Brighton, and that's a real sort of subculture of people um, with steampunk. I I think. The trouble for me with steampunk, and I like some of the jewelries, is that it's so stylized that, again, I struggle to take elements of it without it still looking very, very steampunk. Uh, and so combining it with something else. But things like cufflinks or whatever, uh, you know, sort of pins for hats and stuff like that, that's very steampunk. And I could maybe, on a good day, stretch to, to, to incorporating that. There's some cool bits of that that I can recognize, yeah. Yeah, maybe steampunk needs to be um, sort of pick and mix a bit from it because yeah, I do. I was watching a, a TV series just the other night where they had an episode which was set in a steampunk scenario, and uh, you sort of saw that pretty much everyone there had the same idea for their outfit. So there was right. a definite formula there, <laughs> which sort of is a bit sad and against the whole Top idea. Hat, of it. Goggles. Um... Check, some, check. <laughs> some, some feathers somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And all the, all the women in some sort of sexy outfit with the top hat and the goggles. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Um, speaking of uh, TV series and uh, prancing inspiration, have you seen uh, The Great? I haven't. You, you must see that. Um, it's about Catherine the Great in Russia. It's got uh, an excellent cast of actors, and it is really funny. Okay, I definitely will check that out then. Is it is it sort of heavy on the style or what's the sort of... 
is sort of heavy on rewriting history a bit and outfits and uh, <laughs> being funny. Uh, I thought it was just a sort of period drama when I caught my wife watching it and then I sort of heard what they were talking about and stuff and I just got hooked. And I definitely don't go for costume costume drama normally. Not at all. Not my thing. So it's, it was excellent. Really? Because I, 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 there's a lot of stuff that I'll watch and I'll just enjoy the outfits, to be honest. And that could be sort of even like silly things like Poirot. I love that sort of, uh, you know, whatever, the sort of 1930s and 20s and 30s stuff where there'll be... Foil, Foil's War set around your ways has very good uh, period costumes, I find. Mm. I need to look into that. Foil's War is... Okay. But then again, it's the thing where I I can look at it and I can really enjoy it, but I don't have I don't have much sort of thoughts about how it ever incorporate any of it really into what I'm wearing uh, because it's again so stylized for me that you know maybe there'll be an odd pair of trousers or something like that that I could wear but yeah. you know because when you get into the sort of um, that period of menswear it's always just down to a version of a, a suit that's the thing that's really difficult to go beyond that is that is true yeah um, I mean one of my favorite outfits I put together is when I wear my uh, 1945 US Army great coat with tweed trousers, good pair of boots, and uh, likely a tweed waistcoat. But that combination of tweed and vintage army and boots and stuff, that just, I think that's, I feel so good when I'm wearing it. <laughs> yeah, I but love really, that. Really, really, it shouldn't go together at all. There's no overlap at all. But that's this is all sort of back to the thing about you know when you're watching that film and you know everything is from the 70s because it is meant to be set in the 70s, you know it's fine if, if it works it works. Yep. Okay, Daddy, I think we've come to the end of the line here now. Um, okay. Any uh, final words in closing? Any prancing tips you'd like to um, to share with the listeners? Um. Uh, I- I guess the main thing is just, uh, you know, enjoy wearing stuff. It's not that serious. It's just clothes. And uh, don't worry about if your outfit doesn't fit into a formula because, uh, you know, the best ones don't. So, yeah. There is a risk, though, if your your tribe rejects your outfit that you don't even make it onto the scorecard. What do you do then? Then uh, you you cry for weeks. Uh, you realize your wrongdoings, and you beg for your child to take you back. It's 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 the only path to salvation. Or find a new tribe, maybe. There seem to be enough of them around. <laughs> exactly. I think that's probably the right answer. Yeah, it's a weird old world. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, talk again soon. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. All right. Bye bye. Cheers. And uh, thanks a lot to Ducky for guesting this week's episode. You can find Ducky on uh, Instagram as rugged underscore frills. I'm uh, Nick Johannesson. I'm on Instagram as welldressedad. My blog is uh, welldressedad.com. And as unlikely as it may sound, my email address is welldressedad at gmail.com. I'll uh, see you again in a few days' time. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.